So we come now this morning to the fourth of six petitions that we find in the Lord's Prayer. Specifically, Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. There is a danger in this portion of the prayer. And it's not necessarily in what we're saying, but I think oftentimes in our own prayer lives, maybe our urgency to get to this portion of the prayer too soon, too quickly. I know we come to prayer sometimes with an awareness of our seemingly urgent needs, or at least our wants. And it can be tempting as we pray, as, as the Lord has given us this um, a manner in which to pray, there's a temptation, there can be, for us to kind of race through those first three petitions. And kind of get all the way through it to on earth as it is in heaven. A tendency, a temptation to kind of get through all that stuff before there, up to that point. And then stop and take a deep breath and say, all right, now when it comes to daily bread, you know, there's some things that I, that I really just need to have. And then maybe just to go, you know, go off the shopping list, right? Just kind of go down the line. Now, I think we can understand that this is that mentality or that sort of temptation or that sort of concern, it it gets in the way of grace. That really the prayer is set up in this way so that if we don't spend time adoring our Father in heaven, right, seeking the honoring of His name, praying for His kingdom, if we don't take the time to do that, then all of our own desires and hopes, when they bubble up, will kind of just be presented before God in a muddled, jumbled sort of fashion that we, can, we, that we ourselves don't even fully understand. But Jesus has given us this prayer to show us not to pray these exact words, but to show us how to pray. And he gave us this prayer. It's, it's, per, it's perfect and it's comprehensive because all of life is really captured in these petitions. All of life. Every need is captured. Great things, seemingly small things, inward things, outward things, spiritual things, material things. There's nothing that is not included in this prayer. So now we come to Matthew 6, verse 11, and we consider the last three petitions. So we've gone through the first three, 
And now we come to the last three petitions. And we, and we mentioned that there is a shift that occurs here where we turn from focusing and praying for God's glory to praying for ourselves. And the first of these petitions of these next three, it seems simple enough, right? Give us this day our daily bread. I think we come across it and we hear it and we maybe have an assumption that we understand it in its simplicity as a request. But I think there might be a bit more depth there than we realize. In addition to that, there's a word in here that's important and um, has been somewhat of uh, uh, somewhat controversial in its understanding. And that is the word daily. Daily. And the issue kind of stems from the fact that the specific Greek word that is used here, translated as daily, that here in Scripture, we have the only occurrence of that word in all of Greek literature of the time. Now, it's, it's interesting. It was found once on a non-literary source. They found this word on a papyrus fragment, and it, contain, it contained something of a, um, what looked like a grocery list, where it seemed to indicate this word translated here as daily seemed to indicate the requirements of the day. But really, there's a bit of lack of clarity on the, on the meaning. When you, when you look at linguists today and when they, when they dissect this word, they tell us that the word can mean either or a combination of today's bread or tomorrow's bread. And many actually prefer the latter, tomorrow's bread. So as you read this, there's a sense that you could read it as it says, give us this day our bread for tomorrow. So if you pray this prayer in the morning, what is it? It's a, it's a prayer for the needs of the day. If you pray this prayer in the evening, it's a prayer for the needs of the day that is to come. But the basic sense is the same. Give us today tomorrow's bread. And the basic sense is that it is a prayer to God for our physical needs. But at the same time, when you pray and you're praying for tomorrow's bread, what you're really saying is, God, give me what I need for today and then give me the trust that you will give me what I need for tomorrow. So it is, a, in a sense, a, a, a prayer that is physical because you're asking for the needs for today, but it's also a spiritual prayer because baked into it is, God, give me Trust that you will provide for me tomorrow. 
So really, we are to pray for our physical needs, but we, there is also a sense that we are praying for our spiritual needs as well. But we'll start with the idea that we are to pray for our physical needs. Now, it's interesting when you look at some of the writings in the early church, some of the commentators were very, very reticent to say that this was a prayer for physical needs at all. And they tended to spiritualize it and say, well, it's talking about the bread of, of communion. And the main reason that happened was because of the context of where we are, we are coming from in this prayer. It just didn't seem right after these first, the first three petitions. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. It didn't seem right after all these upward petitions for God's glory to somehow switch now to something so, 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 so simple as our own material well-being. The first part of the prayer it looks so completely selfless, and now to pray for bread seems, what does it seem? Seems selfish. It seems materialistic. But despite all of that thinking, this petition does mean what it says. God wants us to pray for physical provision. In fact, in the Lord's Prayer, this is the first thing that God asks us to pray for when we begin to pray for ourselves. Now, but we must stop and think, right? Praying for our own material well-being, it's going to require some, some thought. It's going to require some intentionality. It's going to require some thoughtful application. So the first thing I want you to think about is when you pray, give us this day our daily bread, this is not a blank check to just, you know, pull out your phone and go to Amazon and go to your cart and pull up the list and just start going down the list, right? That's not what's going on here. But it's fascinating. There are large swaths of Christianity that do view it that way. And view it in such a way that we negotiate with God. That God is compelled to, to meet us halfway, to negotiate with us. That God is compelled, They're, that they will say that well, if you, if you delight in God and if you trust in God, then God is compelled and will give you every desire of your heart no matter what it is. They, they would pull up a verse like Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And they'll say, well, if you're delighting yourselves in the Lord, then God is compelled to give you every desire of your heart. 
There's a big problem with that. Scripture doesn't say anything about that. <laughs> Scripture doesn't teach that. The Word of God doesn't endorse that. And especially the Lord's Prayer does not endorse that. The Lord's Prayer calls us to pray for bread. This is something fundamental. These necessities of life, whether large or small, because they come in all different shapes and sizes, these necessities, those things that are necessary for life and health, the well-being of ourselves and our family, we are to pray for bread. But let's go back to what I said in the beginning. That when, what, what do we do when we come to pray? You know, if you were to come to pray and clear your mind, and then you were to bring up what's going on in your head about you and your situation, what happens? What would happen? What can happen is when we think about what's going on with us, what comes to mind? Just a whole mess of fears, hopes, wants, questions, puzzles. And if we go behind that, maybe there is some deep sadness, some real anger, and some, I hope, real joy, some real delight. But we come before prayer and we come with all of this. What are, what are we supposed to do then with all these, with, with our desires, with our wants, with, with, our, with our needs, and this whole jumbled mess that, that seemingly presents itself in prayer? What do we do with it all? Well, I think first it's important that we ask ourselves a question. And our response to this question or how we view and understand this fact will tell us a lot. I want you to listen to this. What do you think of when you think of this? That to God, all of our hearts are open. That God, to God, all of our desires, all of them, are known. No secrets hidden from God. How do you react to that? All your desires are known. Every last one. How do you react? Well, you can tell a great deal about yourself by, by asking if you see those words, all your desires known. Do you see those words as a promise or as a threat? See, those who might feel deeply threatened by God knowing all of our natural desires, they would naturally want the Lord's Prayer to be about spiritual issues. And completely spiritual things. If, if I'm ashamed by my own desires, then I would prefer that God not know them. It'd be much more comfortable for me 
If the daily bread that I pray is, is something completely spiritual rather than having to do with my stomach or my physical needs. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't leave us with that. Now, Jesus is going to, of course, he's going to warn his, the people that hear him and his followers that, that you should not spend all your energy working simply for food that is going to perish but to strive for the food which lasts to eternal life, yes. But Jesus doesn't say this by denying people food for their stomach. What do we see time and again? He provides for people at that level and then points through that to the deeper provision for deeper needs and desires for us. So, in God's desire for their needs, for bread and everything else, it is not a threat, but only promise. And we see that Scripture gives us encouragement and hope in that. God's Word is full of stories of people who brought their deep, natural longings into the presence of God and then found them answered by God taking those up into his own purposes. And that is a remarkable thing. If you go into the book of Ruth and you think about Naomi, she longed that her daughter-in-law, Ruth, would have a husband. That was her longing. God answered that longing and made Ruth the great-grandmother of King David, the man after his own heart. So you see the longing presented, but then God answers and pulls that up into his own purposes. Think about Hannah in the Old Testament. She longed for a child. She longed for a child. And God gave her Samuel, who becomes who? The mouth, God's mouthpiece to Israel. You will see it again and again. The disciples in Acts chapter 1, they were longing for Israel to become the world's great nation. There was a longing there. God takes that and answers that, that, that desire that was bound by culture, and he answers it how? In an unexpected way. By doing what? He sends out the disciples as his royal ambassadors to announce him as the king of who? Everybody. So when we, when we think about give us this day our daily bread, it's a reminder that our natural longings for bread and all that it symbolizes 
that we're not supposed to sh just shun them away as though in and of themselves they are evil. Now, of course, when you have genuine, you know, a genuine gluttonous sort of mentality of desiring and grabbing more bread or whatever it is than, is than is wise or good, that is something that needs repentance. But God knows our desires in order that we may turn them into prayer. And in order that they would be sorted out, straightened out, untangled, repurposed, reaffirmed. If we truly pray like this, if we truly give the weight to each of these parts of the prayer, we're going to take steps to go from the chaos that exists in our normal interior life that whole jumbled up mess of desires and wants and that whole tangled mess, if we pray the prayer in this manner, in this way, we go from that chaos towards an order and clarity which will allow joy to come to the surface. The Lord's Prayer isn't a prayer for our desires to be completely annihilated. And yet there are so many, uh, so many religions that support that sort of idea that you don't feel anything. Desire completely just, if you can get rid of desire, you can get rid of the problem. That's not what the Lord's Prayer is saying. When we bring this petition... Give us this day our daily bread in the setting of the earlier petitions. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. It's really asking for our desires to be satisfied, but in God's way and in God's time. We also have to think, when you, when you say, give us this day our daily bread, it is really an invitation to bring to God requests that others or even you yourself might consider small. And here is one of the precious realities of Christian life. And it is that God cares for the simple ordinary day-to-day -day things of your life. That Jesus actually teaches that those things that are, even those things that are supposedly even trivial matters are important to God. And we're going to see examples of this as we go through the Gospel of Matthew. But I want you to think for a moment. Jesus is there with his disciples. And here come some, probably, it was probably mothers. If we know anything about mothers, it was probably mothers. Bringing some children. 
some, some young children, some babies, some children, and they're coming, and, and they want to bring them to Jesus. Had to be the mothers. Had to be the mothers, right? The disciples see. What do they do? What are you doing? Jesus is busy. Jesus is on a mission. We are on a mission. There isn't time for this. There isn't space for this. What are you doing? What does Jesus do? He takes those children. He takes those babies. He takes them in his arms. He loved them and blessed them when his disciples, his followers, wanted to do what? Send them away. You will see time and time again in the Gospels, Jesus bestowing his special love upon, upon those who were seemingly worthless. His special love goes out to the seemingly worthless existence of those who were ignored and looked down on, the lepers, the lame, the mentally distraught. God cares. God wants us to bring, hear me this morning, God wants us to bring our everyday needs to Him even if they seem trivial. He doesn't demand that we approach Him only when we have raised ourselves to some kind of spiritual elevation that is above all these everyday things of life. The greatness of God, the greatness of His faithfulness lies where He descends to meet us where we are. That in fact, when we, when we bring these little things, quote unquote, little things before Him, we actually honor Him. We honor Him. And I, I've struggled with this in my life for sure. That you come across a need or something in your life and you go, I'm really going really to pray for this? Does God have time for this? Does, does this? Is this on the radar? You look around, you say, all these things going on all around the world. But really, when we don't bring these things to God, these genuine needs that, seeming, that are seemingly trivial, when we don't bring them before God, we're actually betraying a lack of understanding of the character and nature of God. We're actually betraying a lack of trust that actually exists in our heart. Because there's many that, that have a view of God like he is some sort of switchboard operator as he's tracking these prayers. So back before we had these magic phones where you just press the buttons and the thing goes, when people made a call, it would go into this central place and there was an operator who had all these lines that would say, okay, where do you want this to go? And they'd have to take the line and say, okay, you're calling this person and they're physically 
at the switchboard. Some of us think that God works that way. The prayers come up and they go, all right, let me triage this. All right, here's the important stuff. Here's this prayer. Oh, Neil needs this. Eh, we'll put it over here. Got to work on this. He is the almighty, infinite, loving God. He can keep the galaxies spinning and address your fears without breaking a sweat. He is unbothered. And yet we'll say, oh, do I really need to bring this before him? As if we don't know who he is. There's another aspect to this. God telling us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. It actually, and when you talk about prayer, and I think last week Pastor Sean mentioned that talking about the will of God, that it's not about bending God's will to ours, but bending our will to God's. That God asking us to pray this is about fostering in us a daily dependence upon himself. And there, there's a couple ways you could look at it, but there may be no other line in the Lord's Prayer that is so sharply challenges the direction of the world today. Father, you, you give us this day our daily bread. If you look out in the culture and you look at the average person on the street, what do they want to do in relation to their own security and their independence? They're doubling down on their own security and their independence. Now, to be sure, there is nothing wrong for planning for future rainy days Nothing wrong with that. But it is wrong, hear me this morning, it is wrong to make total independence the consuming goal of your life. That is wrong. Whether we have every resource at our disposal, whether we are rich or poor, God wants us to depend on him how? Daily, daily. He wants us all to pray for our daily needs. He wants us to daily thank Him. And the last piece here as we think about this, God wants to build a connectedness a togetherness between our brothers and our sisters through this prayer. How do we know that? What does Jesus say to pray? Give me my daily bread? No. 
give us our daily bread. Every time you pray in a manner like this, you are affirming your connectedness to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And hear this. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, there is something that is implied in that if you pray that as a child of God. There is an implied commitment to help to provide the bread for those who are in need of it. See, this, this portion of the prayer is actually very stretching. It's actually, this petition, it seems so simple at first, but it's very broadening. See, we don't only depend on God for our practical provision, but we commit ourselves to be part of God's answer to others who are in need. There is a commitment that is baked into this prayer. God wants us to feel free, church. God wants us to feel free to come to him with requests for even those things that seem like they are the tiniest, whatever they are. But think about this. God, who within his vision, within his understanding, he can see the beginning of creation all the way to the last day of judgment and all of eternity. His hands, they are holding up the foundations of the world, the oceans and the seas bounded by his hands. All of the universe, every galaxy spinning at his whim. That God, he occupies him, himself with the trivialities of your life, your father. He is, that God is your father that cares about your needs. We should pray for our needs. And there is a physical element to that. But what did we say? There is also a spiritual element to this, that we are to pray for, in a sense, our, our spiritual bread. Now, what does this mean? Really, there's kind of a looking forward here, right? Because we, we talked about that idea of tomorrow's bread, right? You pray for the, the, the needs of today, but you also pray what? For the trust that within your spirit that you would have the trust that God would provide for tomorrow. It is that it does also look forward. And when you talk about spiritual bread, there's an idea that we look forward and we can kind of look all the way to where? To eternity. If you look back at the other petitions, they all kind of point forward in a way also. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. 
It, it does kind of look forward to this eternity where God's name, once and for all, will be hallowed, will be honored, where his kingdom comes and his will will what? Perpetually be done. So then it does follow that this bread, when we think about it as a bread of tomorrow, there's an eternal quality to it. There's another reason why you can understand that there, there is a spiritual element here. And this is interesting. Jesus only used one symbol to describe the eternal state for believers. And he used it many times. One symbol to describe what the eternal state would be like for those who believe, for believers. What symbol is that? A great and joyous feast. A feast. A feast of joy. What are they going to serve? Surely this is where the bread of heaven is served. So when Jesus bids us to pray for the bread of tomorrow, he's bidding us to pray for that bread of eternity today. That through the Lord's Prayer, as we think about this petition, he's trying to teach his children that as we pray like this, we can grasp, we can taste of this glorious bread of eternity today. Have a taste, a glimmer. And what is this ultimate bread? We read it in the, in the, in the reading here as Jesus' own words. The ultimate bread is, is not what, it is who. It is Christ himself. Jesus says what? I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And Jesus will never disappoint us. He is faithful. Great is his faithfulness. And if you ask for this bread that we're talking about right now, this bread which is him, he always gives this bread to those who ask never fails to give us what he promises. That as we pray for this bread of tomorrow, he gives us what? Himself. He gives us himself. When we pray, give us today our daily bread, we surely, we pray for our physical Needs. We pray for that physical bread, but we also pray for spiritual bread, that bread of tomorrow, Christ himself. As we come to a close here, I think sometimes as we pray and as we live our Christian life, I think there are times that we struggle with our own eyes and with our own vision to be able to see the hand of God at work in our life. 
that there are times that we find it we find God's hand to be invisible, that we that we struggle to see the intrusion of his hand in in providing for our lives. And I wonder, I don't know, but I wonder if that might somehow have to do with how we pray. Because I think we have a tendency to pray in general. We pray at times in these generalities. And this, this aspect of the Lord's Prayer kind of does away with that a bit. Give us this day our daily bread. See, when we pray, if you pray in general, when we pray just in general, the only way we will see the hand of God's providence will be what? In general. But think, as we enter into prayer, this conversation, this communion with God, we put our petitions before him. We pour out our souls, our needs, specifically. What will we see? Specific answers to our prayers. We only see the generalities of God's provision because we pray in generalities. But do we trust that our Father hears us? Do we trust that our Father loves us? Do we trust that our Father cares for us? Do we trust that we can cast all of our anxieties and fears and worries upon Him? Do we trust? Our Father has invited us to go to him and ask him for our daily bread. And let me tell you this morning, he is faithful. And he will, he will not fail to provide it. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.